It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study of the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, over the past few weeks, we've really emphasized the principles of discipleship. And then last week, we had some special guests in the studio really helping us to understand what that looks like in practical application, really helping churches to put together a program even for discipleship and even discipling the disciple makers. And so it was a wonderful program. If you missed any of this study, you can go to calvaryfountain.com, and there you'll find this program and many others, and you can share them with your friends and family alike. Today, we continue in these wonderful teachings of Jesus Christ, and they were radical then. They're radical today because they're totally contrary to our sin nature. And so Dr. Ford is here in the studio with me because we're going to go through this really looking at even a further convicting message about how to live Live out a life of discipleship, the the paradigm of the disciple, if you will. It really was captured there on the Sermon on the Mount. So, Dr. Ford, I'm so excited that you're here with me to go through this powerful teaching because I need your help. You have great (laughs) wisdom to offer, and we're so glad when you're here with us. So, welcome back, my friend. Uh, Thank you, John. This is a a great and timely show. And we were just talking, you know, before the show, heading into Thanksgiving and the things that we're thankful for, and even just moving a little beyond Thanksgiving. As we look towards Christmas, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ, uh, and the fact that uh, um, he came to save us from our sin, and there was no way that we could possibly do that on our own, his love and mercy that gets us through every single day. Mm -hmm. We have so much to be thankful for, and uh, I think that it is always uh, important to remember that the Lord said that persecutions would come being a follower of Jesus Christ. And of course, we're told Mm -hmm. not to be surprised when these things happen, but this is part of the walk that we walk. But of course, we know as indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we do not walk this alone. That's right. Amen. It it really is a, a proper paradigm for Thanksgiving even, because as we've learned over the last few weeks, the call to discipleship is not an easy one. In fact, we were going back to Luke chapter 9 and and examining even this call to take up our cross daily and follow him. It was not a suggestion. It's truly, if we were to follow Jesus Christ like that, it'll almost look like we hate everything else in contrast to how much we love him and we arise to a a joy of service unto the Lord to, to make his kingdom come and his will be done, not our own. And of course, I say that kind of tongue in cheek. We're not making anything, but we simply are a conduit, a vessel of his glorious work and purposes in and throughout this world as we armor up every day and confront a very real enemy. When we consider the magnitude of the battlefield that's before us, no wonder we should have an attitude of gratitude, a true spirit of thanksgiving that when we assess the landscape and look at the very real warfare that is before us any day that we have not experienced the fullness of that retaliation against us, we should be ever grateful. 
Lord, thank you that my head is still attached to my shoulders <laughs> when I have been bold for you. Thank you, Lord, that my house has not been burned down and my right. family executed before me. And you're like, somebody listening to this is going, that seems Whoa. extreme. <laughs> but really, when we consider what people have endured for yeah. the cause of Christ, for their boasting in the cross and the message of salvation, it's a it's a message that we're told in Corinthians is, is one that the world hates. So we need to understand the magnitude of this. Yeah, I would encourage anyone who's interested in the persecuted church to check out Voice of the Martyrs. That's right. I mean, the stories that they have, they've even produced movies you know, and, and the... Uh, the stories of the courage of our brothers and sisters in Christ and the things that they have endured for our Lord and Savior, absolutely amazing and inspiring. And there's no other way to explain it except through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And it's very convicting. When you read something like the Fox's Book of Martyrs, right. yeah. and you go, wow, Whoa. Lord, forgive yeah. me. Woe is me, Burned a man of unclean lips. Yeah. I have been so ungrateful right. for all that you have done for me when this is really the standard you have set, that I am willing to lose everything for your great and glorious purposes. And then we find ourselves really complaining about pithy things. Right. By, by contrast, they may not be so much in our own mind. Our emotions can really lead the way in that, and we get really uh, overwhelmed easily by, by the circumstances that we face. And then when we contrast that with where our brothers and sisters in Christ have been, the patriarchs of our faith and what they endured for, for his great and glorious purposes— our spirit of gratitude should be such that, firstly, we thank him that we are added to the Lamb's book of life. Yeah. Not just that we're free from some of the persecution that those who've gone before us have, have experienced, but that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. This would be the first thing we are grateful for every single day. Amen. And, you know, once again, we go into our list of contrasts. You have to lose <laughs> your life to save it. And, you know, in Romans 5, where Paul says, we rejoice in our suffering. Sufferings produce endurance and encourage character and character hope. Mm -hmm. So with even in his sufferings, the result was greater intimacy with the Lord. Amen. I'm not saying that we should seek them. If we have a, you know, bitter cup, drink it. If we have a, you know, a sweet cup, drink it. Uh, whatever comes our way, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's amazing what the Lord can do to refine us, to grow us, and to bring us into closer intimacy with him in times of suffering and persecution. Amen. I, you know, I think about when the disciples were first dispatched, if you will, the, when he started sending them out two by two, and they would return back and they would report on what God had done in and through them. Again, messengers of truth, conduits of even miraculous things. And we look to Luke chapter 10, and we see when the 72 were sent out, and then they report. They come back to the Lord and report what has happened. Uh, and he says to them, because here the demons were even subject to them through the name of Jesus Christ. And he says to them, and this is verse 18 of Luke chapter 10, he says, I saw Satan, he saw, <laughs> I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I mean, talk about the proper paradigm of the disciple. They are going forth. They are seeing unbelievable things happen. They are equipped fully by Jesus Christ, who is our shepherd. He is our rabbi. He is our teacher, but he is the one who has equipped and empowered us filled us with the Holy Spirit to where we become like uh, arcs of the covenant on two legs, right. going boldly for his great glorious purposes. 
But rather than basking and look at all of these wonderful things God is doing in and through us, be grateful that your name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have so much to be grateful for. So indeed, in that spirit of thanksgiving, we continue in the radical teachings of Jesus, really that were conveyed at the Sermon on the Mount. And we've talked about the Beatitudes. We've talked about a number of these teachings that were very difficult then. They're difficult even today. We think that they shouldn't be, but they are such contrast to the sin nature in all of us, even for those who call on the name of the Lord, who are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, that sanctification process will last a lifetime as he's purging all of these toxins out of our systems. It takes a whole lifetime to do that, right? right? So, And he has determined what those days will be. But as we look now to these new radical teachings, <laughs> well, new in our study, they've been taught over 2,000 years now. But listen to these words of Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so here, right before Thanksgiving, we're talking about an attitude of gratitude. And blessed are you if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. <laughs> so uh, this is a good thing. We should note that with a kingdom comes a crown. Okay, so that is before us. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to picture that. It's hard to think about laying up treasures in heaven like we're supposed to do. We've gone through that study. But James 1.12 tells us that, that, that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are happy because they're approved by God. That's the basis of their true joy. So this is the greatest paradox of all in the mind of men to suffer for doing what is right without earthly reward or even acknowledgment. Okay, I want to be acknowledged in my sin nature. We want to be applauded, celebrated. Uh, Look what you did. I'm so happy. Thank you for the money you gave, the role of service you just performed in front of everybody. We want to be celebrated for these things. But this is the way of flesh. The way of the spirit is one that where the right hand and the left hand don't even know what each other are doing, right? There's nothing that should bring ourselves glory in this. It should all be deflected to the praise of one not to the praise of ourselves. So the case of the suffering saints is a hard case. I mean, it's difficult to comprehend in a world where we seek instant justice, instant gratification. I mean, the the faithful servants of God have been persecuted, hunted, pursued, run down, treated as wild animals, sought for to be destroyed, fined, imprisoned, banished, stripped of their estates, excluded from all places of profit and trust, scourged, racked, tortured, delivered to death, and accounted as sheep for the slaughter, just to name a few. So ever since the time of Abel, and we read about that in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 to 40, this has happened. Christ has told us that it would be much more with the Christian church. And we're not to think it's strange when it happens, according to 1 John 3.13 or even 1 Peter 2.19. And Dr. Ford, when we talked about the program, uh, we went through this about the martyred saints, the persecuted church. I was reminded of this particular story. It was during the uh, China's Boxer Rebellion of the 1900s. Um, The insurgents had captured a mission station. Okay, so this, this was a place where Jesus Christ was being taught. And there were crosses all around it. And so they blocked all the gates but one. And in front of that gate, they laid a cross on the ground. And then the word was passed to those inside that those who trampled the cross underfoot would be permitted their freedom and life, but that by refusing to do so, they would be shot. 
They'd be killed on sight. So terribly frightened by all of this, the first seven students trampled the cross under their feet and they were allowed to go free. But the eighth student, who was a young girl, she refused to commit this sacrilegious act. And kneeling beside the cross, she prayed for strength, arose, and then moved carefully around the clo- this, this cross that was laying on the ground, knowing that she was now going over to the firing squad. And strengthened by her example, the story goes on to tell us that every one of the remaining 92 students followed her to the firing squad. And that reminds me then of 2 Timothy 3.12, where he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not a maybe. We're going to suffer in some way. And that's why I think when we think about Thanksgiving that is before us, we can easily be overrun with the ideas of, well, all the families flying in. We've got football games to watch, turkey to cook. We've got much to be grateful for, of course, here in these United States. And, and the Lord has certainly given us a great deal. We, we bask in the good things that he has blessed us with, not unlike the, the nations of Israel and the generations that followed the faithful. But sometimes what we have even found lately, that we have forgotten the hand that is provided. We have forgotten the blessings of God. Instead, we've in turn raised a fist of rebellion to him and even defiled his holy name and produced immorality of all sorts. And yet, despite these things, we may have many of us who are listening right now, those of you listening who are are making these plans, going about your Thanksgiving agenda for the week, maybe you do have a lot of family coming in and, and, and we're blessed to have these things. But may we not forget the God of heaven and earth who has provided, made a way, and yes, even given us the solace that we are not facing a firing squad today. We're not about to be beheaded for our faith. And here he tells us that's the standard that's been set. Your message is is in such contrast to the ways of the world. Your light, which is totally diametrically different, opposed to darkness. You don't have a middle ground. The message that leaves your lips, the thoughts that you dwell on, the, the messenger who has sent you is such a, a contrast to the, the, the message of this world, the darkness that's in it. We should expect that kind of persecution every day. So when it doesn't happen, oh, the gratitude in our hearts should be such as, Lord, thank you for saving a sinner such as me. Thank you that my trials are not so great that it might even cost me my my breath today. What an attitude of gratitude that we can have, especially going into Thanksgiving. Yeah, and what an attitude of gratitude that one young girl had Mm. to, to go around the cross because she was grateful for what her Savior had done for her. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, we come before the Lord and we feel like, you know, all I've got is these couple of small fish and these loaves. <laughs> I don't really have that <laughs> right. much to offer. But then, of course, we saw what the Lord can do with that. But we also see in the example that you read about the difference that one person made by breaking ranks. One mm. person broke ranks, was true to the Lord, and it had a cascading effect. That's right. I think we should be inspired by that. I think we should look for opportunities to do the same thing in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces. Yeah. And, you know, and one thing that often comes up around Thanksgiving is a home that's now filled with people you don't always agree with. Right. People of all walks of life, a lot of secularism going on. So maybe you're the Christian and you're hosting 
for for people to come over to your home and and they're coming from all walks of life, all yeah. sorts of perspectives, political viewpoints, and so forth. And they all gather now around the table and break bread together. And the type of conversations that come up, and and then the consternation of the Christian family. Well, have I opened my door now to sin? I know in First Corinthians, I'm told that I'm not to even dine with individuals who are given to sexual immorality, and yet. Here I'm now open the door for these individuals to come in. Do I even pray aloud? How do I set the standard now that this is a Christian home? I mean, what am I to say in these moments? So here we've got a young lady who's willing to face a firing squad. And then we can then struggle. Should I even pray? Should I allow everybody do their own thing? (laughs) Uh, What we have to do is pray, Lord, make this likened to a temple. And all who are invited in here will hear you, see you, and not to be obnoxious, or, or arrogant or pride-filled, but rather to be invitational for these who come in that they will hear and see the good things of God. And you'll bask in that and praise him for it. Yeah, you're right. A captive audience is to love on them. And, mm. and and really, you know, like you said, walk the walk and talk the talk. It's a great That's opportunity right. just to live, you know, Christ through you and into their lives. And, um, you know, depending on where they come from, they may not have that many opportunities to see what a true believer who walks in faith in Jesus Christ looks like. So this is our opportunity. Like I said, we should look at it as a, a captive audience yeah, uh, right. to be able to rejoice in our Savior, to be able to uh, live, have him live through us as he loves those around us. That's right. And always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in that's you. That's right. And you got to pray for that in advance. Amen. It's might be it might be somewhat unusual, but I, I would recommend even fasting and praying before Thanksgiving. It's a great we could probably idea. use it to prepare us for the big meal we're about to consume anyway. <laughs> but but really, from the perspective of see this as ministry, what is God going to do this Thanksgiving through you, and and how is He going to use your home? Yeah. To further his message and agenda, that you be a conduit of a transformed life. So what word could be spoken? What love could be exchanged? What what embrace you could give to somebody who maybe you've been estranged from? What phone call could you make to that person who needs to hear the word of God this day? Ask the Lord how he can use you, especially in this, this spirit of thanksgiving to demonstrate that kind of thanksgiving by being a messenger, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, he tells us there's a few other pieces here in our our few minutes together. This is going to get away from us, and we'll come back to this subject even after Thanksgiving. But we have cross-examined the connection of the Beatitudes with each of the Ten Commandments throughout our studies. I find it interesting that the Eighth Commandment reads, you shall not steal in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. And when we evaluate the heart of a thief, for example, we find individuals who neither fear God nor men, and they don't wait on the Lord. So they use their own sinful tactics to absolve their predicament because they do not yield to the God of heaven who promises to care for and preserve the faithful. Therefore, they're led by the flesh and suffer for their godless decisions. But listen to what Peter then tells us, 1 Peter chapter 2, 19-20. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, think about that. We go back to history for a moment. When the emperor of Rome was threatening Eusebius with confiscation of his goods, torture, or banishment, or even death, the courageous Christian replied, He needs not fear confiscation, who has nothing to lose, nor banishment, to whom heaven is his country, nor torments when his body can be destroyed at one blow, nor death 
which is the only way to set him at liberty from sin and sorrow. I love that quote. (laughs) I mean, think about that. His response was simple. If I own nothing worth keeping, what can you take from me? Even death will only set me free to be with my Lord from Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 26. So when I think about that, Dr. Ford, it's like I I was helping a a, a gal move. Uh, She's an elderly woman in our church, and uh, we've now taken three truckloads, three crews of people to go over to move items. And we've got another move, actually two more coming up. And it's just her and her husband. And it's all the things that they've amassed in this world. And we're looking at our garage full of all these antiques. And uh, bless her heart, she said what I wanted to say to her, which was, you know what? I think I could thin all of this out. I'm like, amen, sister. Absolutely. None of your children are going to care about any of this stuff. We had a greater value on antiques in days past. But now I believe that really the treasures that we are to lay up, not only those in heaven, but even the things on earth should always point to our faith. Uh, journals, perhaps, mm-hmm. things that are heirloom and, and, and micro in size. I, they don't have to be large things. Really, our children don't want all of this stuff anyway. Right. I, I remember, I think I shared around a previous broadcast of a little comic strip where the, this elderly gentleman is walking up with his grandson to a storage unit, and he lifts up the storage unit, and there it's packed wall to wall up to the ceiling. goes, someday all of this can be yours, to which you see this like the disgusted look on the young man's faith, like, I, face, I don't really want all that. Grandpa, right. I just want your time. Right, exactly. I don't need any of that stuff, right? Yeah. So we, we've put more value on all these things, and we think that's really where the spirit of Thanksgiving comes in. Oh, I have a big home. I've amassed these things. I have these possessions. None of that matters. It, it's this quality of, first and foremost, time with the Lord, and secondly, time with all who are around you in your spheres of influence to talk about the things of God as you walk along the road, as you lie down, as you get up. Deuteronomy 6, we talked about that last week. So I think we have to have this paradigm shift going into Thanksgiving of look what God has done. You have food to eat. You have clothes on your body. I, Paul, even talking about, I've learned to live with plenty and I've learned to live with nothing. Right. In all things, he knows that it is Christ who strengthens him. And indeed, it is Christ who strengthens us. We have a mission before us. If we're living to the fullness of that mission, all the other stuff is just fluff, right? I mean, yep. a house, whether I have one or not, glory be to God. Yeah. It is the Lord who giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed right. be the name of the Lord. And so as we look now to these these particular perspectives of the Beatitudes, I, I want us to think about in our just a couple minutes together, we have a role and assignment to be an ambassador for Christ, especially as we go into this week of Thanksgiving. Families flying in, all these responsibilities before us, we can be overwhelmed by all the details. First and foremost, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And, and, and if we thought about that, what that means, when a foreign national lives in our country, and, and they're an employee of their own government, and they gather information, they build relationships, and they're here predominantly, primarily for the benefit of their home country, and they act as a public representative for their own home country, we would call that person an ambassador. But the reason what, di- what differentiates them from another type of person that does the same thing is because one is public with that information. Because there's another group that does the same thing, but they're not public with that information. Right. They're called spies. Right. Right. So you can be an ambassador or you can be a spy. Which one do you want to live next to? Yeah. So we're, it, we're not called to be spies for Jesus Christ. We're called to be ambassadors 
for Jesus Christ. And that means that we are actively communicating what he wants conveyed. We're living mission-minded, always Exodus-ready. Lord, where would you have me to go? What would you have me to do? What's my mission assignment today? I arise now this morning, Lord. What is my mission that you have for me today? You've got a whole week coming up now of preparedness, thoughts, and activities, and events, and people that you've got to plan around. Your first priority is, Lord, what is my mission for you today? Put your words to my lips, that I be a conduit of truth at all times, that we may bask in your goodness, be thankful for what you have provided, and that, Lord, in this, you receive all the praise. That is a true attitude of gratitude. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you all for listening to Engage in Truth today. We continue in this wonderful study, and I hope that you've been blessed by it. If you'd like to go back and listen to this broadcast and all of those in the series, you can check us out at calvaryfountain.com. Again, this is calvaryfountain.com, a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. And we'll continue in this vein of thought next week. We want to thank you for listening. And if you're looking for a church in your area, please come check us out at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.